Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's April 30th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 49. Here are today's news and notes. Beginning internationally, we start with an article recently posted by Maria Delgado at thetheatertimes.com. The article titled, Culture Matters, Luis Pascual, Pedro Almodovar, and Spain's cultural sector respond to the seeming indifference of the country's minister of culture. There was a moment on April 7th when the vision of culture in Spain under COVID-19 looked pretty bleak. While a series of streaming options were offering salvation to a nation under lockdown since March 14th, the Spanish government was disappointingly refusing to accept the fact that the cultural sector was facing a particularly grim prospect with the shutdown of all live theater and musical performance, as well as the suspension of film and television shoots. The government's position seemed to be that culture deserved no differential package. A refusal to recognize how culture operates or the contribution that the arts were providing to the wider population in lockdown. In his statement that the moment to boost and reboost culture and sport will come, Spain's Minister of Culture and Sport, Jose Manuel Rodriguez Uribe, was effectively shooing away any advocacy for the sector he ostensibly re- represents. Quoting Orson Welles, he went on to justify his decision with the words, Life first, then cinema. It was a response that was to galvanize the sector. 41 cultural associations, representing 700,000 cultural workers, raised the need for sector-specific measures. The Actors' Union asked for a cultural switch-off on April 10th and 11th across all social media to ensure the government recognized the important role culture was playing within the nation at this time. After Juan Econove posted a video on April 10th decrying that Uribe was no longer my minister of culture and Luis Pascual, one of Spain's most renowned stage directors, sent an open letter to the minister that was picked up across media outlets and referenced by Pedro Almodovar in the fourth installment of his Madrid lockdown diary published in El Diario. Almodovar has been posting regular updates, also translated into English and published in Sight and Sound, since March 30th. The response of the cultural sector from the moment Uribe made his public declarations generated a shift in the government's position. The finance minister and government spokesperson, Maria Jesus Montero, announced on April 10th that representatives of the cultural sector would be meeting the Minister of Culture to discuss the way forward. By the 17th of April, Montero and Uribe were pronouncing that within 10 days, cultural-specific measures would be announced to assist in protecting the sector at this unprecedented time. Data from the Spain Film Commission shows that every 300 film shoots have ground to a halt. Spain's cultural industries are responsible for 2.4% of Spain's gross domestic product. Statistics from the Spanish Ministry of Culture and Sport indicates 625 million euros generated by cinema in 2019, 94 million of these from Spanish films. As one journalist noted in her coverage of the impact of the lockdown, not even during the Spanish Civil War as bombs fell did the theaters close. The impact on a sector that brought in 160 million euros in relation to theater alone during 2019 was underestimated by the one person who should have been seeking to protect culture and advocate for the role it was playing in providing entertainment, stimulation, and engagement for a nation in lockdown.
Pedro Almodovar, Lockdown Diary, first published in Spain, in Spanish, on April 11th, and translated by Mar Diestro Dopito, and reproduced in this article, with permission of the director, contrasted the Spanish government's problematic response to cultural aid with that of other European leaders. Let me quote a tweet that my brother posted two days ago comparing the Spanish, French, and German reactions to the economic disaster that the coronavirus spells for the cultural industry. The Spanish Minister of Culture confirmed on Monday that there won't be any specific measures for the sector. In other words, zero help, and he did not turn a hair when interested parties expressed their astonishment. On the other hand, the French government mobilizes to defend the nation's culture in the face of coronavirus. The Minister of Culture will allocate 22 million euros to support the cultural sector. Germany includes culture in their basic needs. The culture industry will be able to access the unlimited financial assistance planned by Angela Merkel's government. Three very different, very eloquent reactions. In a letter to the Ministry of Culture, the prestigious theater director, Louise Pasquale, starts by asserting that the country does not love its artists. You can admire them, envy them, and even in some cases adore them, but loving them is another thing. And he is completely right. The letter is a long, detailed reproach of the historical defenselessness of cultural workers and the ministry of the same name, which only on rare occasions has represented us. When one of the changes made by Pedro Sanchez's new government ousted Jose Guaro, the previous minister of culture and one of the best cultural managers we've had in the last 40 years, politically independent but with enormous experience in culture, I felt his exclusion as a great loss that reality has only served to confirm the appointment of Mr. Rodriguez, Uribe is political. He is a party man, and as the expression goes, and he could have been given any other department. In our 40 years of democracy, we have not been lucky with the Ministry of Culture. I remember other ministry, Carmen Albarque and Jose Guaro, the latter of who had to deal with these interim months when he did what he could. Regardless of ideological stance, our country has never held or had the political will to help the cultural sector. Luis Pascual's letter is here published in English for the first time, translated by Cecilia Sosa, Duncan Wheeler, and Maria Delgado, a letter that formed part of a sector-wide movement to shake the Minister of Culture out of a position of cultural lethargy and to remind the government that projecting cultural aids with social cohesion, with a sense of identity and well-being, that it assists in understanding the past, making sense of the present, and preparing for the future. While the Churchill quote Pascual deploys was shown in 2009 to be apocryphal, originating in a village voice piece, its sentiments were articulated by Churchill in 1938. The arts are essential to any complete national life. The state owes it to itself to sustain and encourage them. Culture isn't a disposable extra. It is a way of thinking through who we are and what we do. It is a way of comprehending what is meant to be human. If you'd like to read the entire letter, please visit thetheatertimes.com and look for the article posted by Maria Delgado titled Culture Matters, Luis Pascual, Pedro Almodovar, and Spain's cultural sector respond to the seeming indifference of the country's minister of culture. Page two. Here's some news from our friends at Stage Directions. A live stream webinar, Tech Table, hosted by Casey Wilkerson, will premiere on May 2nd, 2020 with Natasha Katz. 
TechTable, a new live stream webinar series from Project with Jason, will premiere on Saturday, May 2nd, 2020 at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Daylight Time or 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Daylight Time and will be hosted by lighting designer K.C. Wilkerson. This first installment of TechTable will feature an interactive con conversation with six-time Tony Award-winning lighting designer Natasha Katz. You can catch the webinar stream or go to the Projects with Jason channel on YouTube. Projects with Jason was established by theater arts advocate and professional stage manager J. Jason Dautner, also known as PWJ, has created some an interesting and new model of webinars, including Artists in Conversation and virtual cabaret installments with theater artists, including Cheetah Rivera and Sam Harris. You can replay these and others in the past archive on the PWJ YouTube channel Projects with Jason. There will be more about Projects with Jason and Tech Table in the June print and digital editions of Stage Directions magazine, which will be available in mid-May. Dautner partnered with Wilkerson to host Tech Table, which will be conversations with backstage theater artists, designers, technicians, and artisans who bring productions to life on stage. The idea behind the title Tech Table is that even though some of the artists we want to include aren't specifically technical, we all end up at some point during the process around the tech table to collaborate and problem solve, says Wilkerson. Tech Table is an exciting online learning opportunity for technical theater students and teachers alike. In these live streams, backstage artists interact with those who will create the theater of tomorrow, sharing their experience, stories, and wisdom. The first installment of Tech Table will feature an interactive conversation with six-time Tony Award-winning lighting designer Natasha Katz. The hope is that students will gain an understanding of what it's like to be a working professional backstage artist. Teachers will obtain additional resources and examples to use in their teaching. Theater production professionals will have the opportunity to share their stories. Viewers will have a deeper understanding of how these theater arts approach their craft. To read the entire article, please visit stagedirections.com. Again, this article is titled Live Streamed Webinar, Tech Table hosted by Casey Wilkerson and premieres on May 2nd, 2020. You can also check out Stage Direction's Facebook page and other social media platforms for more information. Also from Stage Directions comes a talk with Broadway HD founders, Bonnie Comley and Stuart F. Lane. This article comes from the current issue and is featured in the May 2020 magazine. This article is produced by Michael S. Eddy. With theaters across the country and the globe closed, the West End and Broadway dark, many of us are turning to online and streaming options to see a show. Though the experience is not the same as being part of the audience at a live theater production, Broadway HD is offering a high quality experience that allows us to enjoy and revisit some wonderful theatrical work. And don't let the name fool you. Broadway HD offers work from award-winning theaters across the globe, covering both classic and modern productions. From the works of Shakespeare to great Broadway musicals and even awe-inspiring performances from Cirque du Soleil, though some of the works are older tapings of productions, where Broadway HD stands out and really shines is in their capture of the more contemporary productions, their understanding of how to capture a live theater production, and being able to adapt the performance's presentation specifically for multi-platform viewing for streaming audiences is second to none. Broadway HD was founded in 2015 by Tony Award-winning producers Stuart F. Lane and Bonnie Cumley. Today, due to the pandemic causing Broadway, the West End, and theaters globally to be closed, Broadway HD's on-demand access to a library of more than 300 theater productions is not only a way to enjoy some wonderful theater, 
but also bittersweetly, keeps our desire burning to return and sit once more in an audience as the curtain goes up. Also, as many theaters look to stream content and remain connected to their subscribers and potential audiences, as well as maintain some minor revenue stream. Broadway HD is also now offering ways to work with the regional theaters, unions, and producers to allow ticket holders access to streamed, previously recorded works of the theater companies. Stage Directions recently spoke to Cumley and Lane via phone from their home in New York City. To read the entire article and conversation, please visit stagedirections.com. From our friends at Playbill, the theater community bands together to help children affected by COVID-19 with the Homebound Project. This article was presented by Olivia Clement. Over 50 actors and playwrights, including Amanda Seyfried, Uzo Aduba, and Mary Louise Parker will take part in the new initiative. Longtime friends and collaborators, playwright Katya McMullen and director Jenna Worsham have teamed up with No Kid Hungry, a national campaign helping to feed countless children to launch the Homebound Project. The online theater initiative will sell donation-based tickets to view new works performed by leading actors from their homes, written by Lucy Thurber, Kui Wen, Sarah Rule, and Rajiv Joseph, among many other. Over 50 actors and playwrights have signed on for the benefit project so far. View at home tickets begin at a donation level of $10, with all proceeds going towards feeding children affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Schools closed due to the coronavirus, hundreds of thousands of kids in need are missing subsidized school meals every day in New York City alone. The first team of playwrights taking play part in the Homebound Project have been given the prompt of home. Participating actors and writers in the first edition, running May 6th through the 10th, include Christopher Abbott in a work by Thurber, Utkarsh Ambudkar in a work by Wen, Glenn Davis in a work by Ren Dara Santiago, William Jackson Harper in a work by Max Posner, Jessica Hecht in a work by Rule, Marin Ireland in a work by Eliza Clark, Alison Pill in a work by C.A. Johnson, Elizabeth Rodriguez in a work by Joseph, Thomas Sadowski in a work by Martin Majak, and Amanda Seyfried in a work by McMullen. Future editions will include actors Uzo Aduba, Betty Gilpin, Andre Holland, Joshua Lunter, Harry Niff, Ashley Park, Mary Louise Parker, Will Pullen, and Zachary Quinto, along with playwrights Adam Bach, John Guare, Daniel Talbot, Anne Washburn, and David Zhang, among others. The Homebound Project grew from a desire to support frontline organizations by doing what we artists do best, creating and gathering in newly imagined ways, says co-creator Worsham, who will direct a few of the works. Our mission is to provide sustenance, critical provisions for those in need, an opportunity for isolated artists to collaborate, and we hope a way for audiences to access the communal empathy that theater provokes. The online works feature costume consultation by Andy Jean, sound design by Fan Zhang, original music by Scott Klopfenstein, and video editing and design by John Berkland of Zani Productions. No Kid Hungry is a campaign by Share Our Strength, an organization working to end hunger and poverty. And finally, from our friends at Playbill.com, we can celebrate Jonathan Larson's rent with 10 iconic quotes. This article was presented by Mark J. Franklin. The Tony and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical opened on Broadway at the Nederland Theater April 29, 1996. Rent opened on Broadway at the Nederland Theater April 29, 1996. 
The Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, directed by Michael Grief, with choreography by Mar Marilise Yearby, played 5,123 performances, running for 12 years before closing on September 7, 2008. Nominated for 10 awards, 10 Tony Awards, the show won five, including Best Musical. A rock retelling of La Boheme in the era of AIDS, Rent follows a group of bohemian artists struggling to create and find love in New York's East Village. The original Broadway cast featured Anthony Rapp as Mark Cohen, Adam Pascal as Roger Davis, Tay Diggs as Benjamin Coffin III, Wilson Germain Heredia as Angel Chouinard, Jesse L. Martin as Tom Collins, Adina Menzel as Maureen Johnson, Daphne Rubin Vega as Mimi Marquez, Freddie Walker as Jonah, Joan Jefferson, and rounding out the cast were Rodney Hicks, Kristen Lee Kelly, Aiko Nakasone, Timothy Britton Parker, Gwen Stewart, and Byron Utley. The production featured scenic design by Paul Clay, costume design by Angela Wendt, lighting design by Blake Berba, sound design by Kurt Fisher, and film by Tony Gerber, with stage management by John Vivian, Crystal Huntington, and Catherine J. Haley. To view photos and to celebrate these iconic, 10 iconic quotes, please visit playbill.com and look for the article by Mark J. Franklin. Page three. Here comes some news from our friends at USITT. Our colleagues at ESTA will be hosting a variety show tomorrow night as a way to assist with COVID-19 relief titled May Day, May Day which will be streaming live on Facebook. Donations are currently being accepted, and the event will benefit the behind-the-scenes charity as well as the CDC Foundation. More, event, more info can be found at esta.org under Events. Tomorrow is the final day USITT is offering their free online resume doctors and portfolio reviews, both of which are taking place from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We ask that you please register ahead of time to reserve your spot and find out more information using the links provided at usitt.org's education training website. For their latest feature from designers whose productions were canceled or postponed due to the global COVID-19 pandemic, USITT brings the work of Crit Fisher. Crit was the lighting designer and sound designer for New Albany Theater's production of The Addams Family, which was able to run its first week before being canceled. Photos of the show are displayed on USITT's Facebook page, as well as many of its other social media platforms. Please go check them out. And finally, from our USITT friends, and from me on a personal note, I'd like to thank my, my co-presenters, Wendy Ray Wasit barrett and Rick Boychek, for participating in today's Form at Four discussion for our Archiving Technical Theater History Online Approach panel. What a wonderful experience to be able to share with you, our family, our listening audience, what a wonderful experience running this group has become. Of course, please check out Archiving Technical Theater History on Facebook. Give us a shout out, give us a join, and hopefully we can provide you with something that will make your research a little bit easier, a little bit better, maybe even just take you into a direction you never thought you'd ever go. 
So again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Wendy Ray Wassett Barrett and Rick Boychek. You guys are aces. I love you. It was a fantastic to share the, 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 the panel with you, and I'm extremely grateful for all the things that you have done to help make me a better researcher, a better guide, and just a better person all around. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before I conclude today's podcast, I want to once again extend my gratitude to the members of our armed services, our healthcare workers, the nurses and doctors, the first responders, the police, the fire and emergency service officers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please join me in continuing to support these women and men as they face this near impossible task of saving lives in the face of such great adversity. Please support your local food bank and shelters. If possible, donate blood at one of your local Red Crosses. Be sure to check in on the elderly and support those who have special needs. Reach out to a friend and help not only make their day, but also improve your own. I'd like to leave you with this quote from playwright Jonathan Larson of Rent. He said, There is no future. There is no past. I live this moment as my last. There's only us. There's only this. Forget regret or life is yours to miss. No other road, no other way, no day, but today. I can't control my destiny. I trust my soul. My only go is just to be. There's only now, there's only here. Give in to love or live in fear. No other course, no other way, no day, but today. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. It's April 30th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, day 49. Take care, be well, and have a good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's archivett24 at yahoo.com.